The Democrats have unveiled their national convention stage and podium in Philadelphia. And now that the GOP's finished its meeting, attention's now focusing on Hillary Clinton and who she'll choose as her running mate. At the top of the short list are reportedly Virginia Senator Tim Kaine and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. Kane tried to downplay his status in the Veep stakes in several recent appearances. I've said all along what I'm going to say now, which is I'm a happy senator and I'm not looking for another job. <laughs> I'm a happy senator. I'm not looking for another job. It's wonderful to be mentioned, but, uh, you know, I love my job and uh, trying not to, you know, overly think it. Uh, but it's it's been a very exciting last few weeks. Any flights booked to Florida over the weekend? No, no, flight, no flights booked, uh, but I'm checking the Greyhound schedule. Kane and Vilsack would both bring extensive political experience to the ticket. Both come from important states. Vilsack served two terms as governor of Iowa before joining the Obama administration. Another strong contender is first-term New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, the former Newark mayor who's also a Clinton supporter. Housing Secretary Ulian Castro, Labor Secretary Thomas Perez, and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren have also been mentioned. Purdue University political science professor Nadia Brown has been following all of this very closely and joins me now via Skype. Professor, who do you like as a Clinton running mate? Well, in light of um, Bernie Sanders throwing his weight behind her earlier this week, and still a lot of progressives really being disgruntled, we saw right a number of uh, progressive activists who just walked out um, during the press conference when Bernie announced that he'd be supporting her. I've heard um, NPR um, reported earlier that several people were planning to write Bernie's name in rather than vote for Hillary. So I think Hillary really needs to do is appoint a progressive, right? She needs someone like an Elizabeth Warren who um, who is more in the camp of Bernie Sanders, but is working from the inside uh, and the, from the inside out. So I think Hillary Clinton's best chance is to look for someone who is not a moderate, someone who's not left leaning, but is more um, is more leftist than herself to really bring in some of the disenfranchised voters that showed up and showed out for Bernie Sanders. And if she wants to win, right, I think she really needs to think seriously about Elizabeth Warren as her candidate, as her VP candidate. What are the upsides and downsides of having two women on a ticket? All right. So this is my specialty. I'm a gender and politics uh-huh. scholar. And, <laughs> and it's always like really interesting, right, because we've had two men running as candidates, um, right, for almost, you know, the, forever. Right. Yeah. With the exception of Morrow and Palin, right, that that's been uh, that that's been the gold standard. Um so it, it, it is like kind of just an interesting question because we never turn this on the head of thinking, well, what about having two members of the same gender run on a ticket? This question only gets asked when we're talking about women. And part of this, right, is the novelty of Hillary Clinton being the first uh, Democratic, presumptive Democratic nominee, although there have been women who have run for president on the Democratic ticket before, but no one has made it, made it as far as Hillary Clinton. I think that the backlash that she might face, right, and these are things that particularly Um, conservative voters and people that are disenfranchised by Trump and his rhetoric are still having a hard time moving over to Clinton. And some of the things, right, are Clinton-specific. They are not um, so much about her as a woman. They are her as a flawed candidate. And I think it's really important to parse out those differences so that people are I think rightfully so, right? Acknowledging Clinton as an individual and thinking about her record and uh, right who she is as a candidate, as elected official, as really this public figure, you know, for over the past thirty years. 
and they're looking at that and they're not necessarily equating Clinton to woman and then having all these gendered stereotypes onto Clinton, but are really looking at her for on her own merit. Does Elizabeth Warren uh, uh, remove some of that in the minds of voters? Do you think does she, she give Hillary a little bit more street cred or no? Um, <laughs> I think she gives Hillary more street cred if that would be possible to say that she'd be able to bridge a gap between um, more progressive and leftist of the party. I don't think that um, Warren kind of assages some of the criticisms of Clinton, particularly because uh, Warren was a, a pretty stalwart critic of Clinton, um, of, of both Clintons, right? And thinking about really um, banking reform and um, kind of pushing the Clintons from some of their more moderate and in some ways, right, really conservative fiscal policies that really benefited the wealthy. So, so like in a lot of ways, I think that if people were to play back sound bites of Elizabeth Warren's criticism of Hillary Clinton, that was not so long ago. A lot of these things are still the same, right? So it's not as if Clinton has magically moved to the left on particularly some of these policies about uh, too big to fail or um, kind of some of our international um uh, trading partnerships. But what Elizabeth Warren can say is that uh, Hillary Clinton is the best alternative for liberals, for Democrats, for progressives than a Donald Trump presidency. If you were a betting person, who would you bet she'd choose? I'm going with Elizabeth Warren. I think that Clinton is a calculated, pragmatic politician above all else. And she sees the writing on the wall. Right. The Democratic, um, she's allowed Bernie Sanders to really come in and shape the Democratic Party platform. She knows that she needs to do a much better job of reaching out to progressives. So I don't think that Clinton right, is looking at this as a personal decision. She's not kind of weighing the same kind of factors that some other VP candidates um um, try to out. They try to balance out the candidate by, by um, some things like temperament or policy ex expertise. I think what um, Hillary Clinton is really trying to do is swing over this wing of progressives who are just really disenfranchised and are disgusted by the a lot of ways like this Clinton lineage. So yeah, if I, if I had to bet, I think that Clinton is smart. She's calculated. She's pragmatic, and she's hedging her bets to get someone who those that have come out for Bernie in record numbers, she wants them to vote for her in November. So she's going to pick a surrogate or someone who is as close to Bernie Lake as possible. There was this report today, I don't know if you saw from the Associated Press, where 81% of those surveyed said that they were scared of a Hillary Clinton presidency. That seems to be a number that might be hard to overcome. But when you look at uh, Trump's unfavorable rating, it's sort of like they're both equal, right? Right, right. And I think that's what's going to be driving uh, voters this election season. People are not coming out because they are enthused about their particular candidate. And I'm saying they're in the traditional sense of Republican or Democrat. I think that um, most voters are coming out because they're scared of the other candidate, right? So what's motivating Democrats to vote for Clinton is not because they like Clinton. They are scared of a Trump presidency. And the same is true, vice versa. It, it, this is an area that you mentioned is your expertise, and it's going to be one that's on many, many people's minds. Uh, this poll out today also says uh, that 0% of African Americans will vote for Trump. Zero percent. 
So this is going to be an issue. This is going to be a big issue, isn't it? Right. And particularly because African-Americans and particularly African-American women are the most reliable voters, right? African-American women turn out upwards of 92%. That is a lot of people uh, that you need to come out to vote for, consistent and consistent voters. In, um for voting for President Obama, 92 and then 98% of black people and black women in particular came out and voted for Obama. And what Clinton wants to do is to capitalize on that block. And if these groups of people don't come out for Donald Trump, he's, you know, it, it's a short-sighted way of shooting himself in the foot by not really reaching out to um, voters who have been proven to come out to vote. I think that, again, in this election, it's going to be some apathy of folks that are saying neither one of the parties are putting up candidates of my choice. So there might be voters who just stay home. And what Trump needs to do, and what Clinton is smartly trying to do, is reach out to folks that have been known to come out to vote. Generally, people say that the vice presidential candidate really doesn't uh, impact the race that much. That may have been turned on its head with Sarah Palin, and maybe that's different now. Would you agree? I mean, how, how much should we put on this in terms of the weight it's going to uh, bring in November? This is a whole nother beast. This election is not your grandmother's election. So I think any predictions of what the VP candidate will do this year is really hard to predict. Um, particularly, we've never seen a candidate like Trump. And likewise, we've never seen a candidate like Clinton, who has such high unfavorable numbers. Um, but both parties right, are putting forth, because the, you know, um, the electorate has spoken right through the primary season that these are our candidates. So even though they are unpopular, both parties have unpopular candidates this year. So I think the VP is going to play a, a big role because the VP needs to kind of soften some of the edge that both of the candidates have. I don't know how much that will play in this year, particularly right because Pence is not that popular here in Indiana. Again, he's angered both conservatives and um, and liberals, and I think that'll be a big problem for him come November. And for Clinton, right, whoever she picks are people that have publicly, you know, come out against her. So they have to kind of walk back some of the things that they've said. There are a lot of people who, who say they didn't vote for John McCain because of Sarah Palin. And that's the first time I can remember an election where people really, the vice presidential candidate made a difference. Right. Well, McGovern, um, right. That was a place. Yeah. So that, you know, that was a big, uh, right. Uh, a big VP mistake too. So, I mean, so it's, it's happened. It's just not that, um, that typical, but I will say, um, we might see more interest in the VP debates this year, particularly, right. Because we know that the VP is a person next in charge. And I think that if anyone is not interested in a Trump or Clinton presidency, we're looking at the next, uh, the, the person that's next in line to be the leader of the country. So I think that will have some renewed interest in the VP debates um, coming this fall. We talked about Julian Castro. Is there an African-American out there that might be a possible candidate? No, right? And that's, um, I guess, not as surprising because African-Americans are in the bank for, for Democrats, right? You mentioned the poll that says African-Americans are likely to support Trump at 0% and the highest point in, in uh, recent American history, African-Americans supported uh, George Bush at 12% in this run in 2000. Right, so African-Americans are really a captured demographic by the Democratic Party. There is no incentive uh, for Hillary Clinton to select an African-American uh, running mate because African-Americans are going to come out and vote for her. She, what she is smart to do, right, is pick uh, someone that can represent a group that has not been captured yet. So that way she can get their voters to come in and vote for her. 
but is there a candidate who could have the job? I mean, because I'm looking, I guess the question is focused more on the bench, you know, as we move forward in the future, who, who might we see emerge as another Barack Obama or you know, somebody who might take the national stage? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, I see what you're saying now. Um, you know, I think if she, if, I, if this was me <laughs> and I was putting together um, kind of the speakers list or a platform list of folks to take center stage at the DNC um, later this summer, I might pick some young rising stars, uh, particularly black women in the Democratic Party, like Kamala Harris, that Barack Obama spotlighted and, you know, was running for Senate in California. She has a great chance of winning. But I think if Kamala Harris does not win, she might be, I mean, she's, she's been more politicized, but I think she might be a great example of someone whose name might be brought up for the for um, replacement on the Supreme Court. She is well-liked. She is on her, you know, on her stuff. I don't think people have much to say about the job that she's done in California as attorney general neg negatively. And she's a rising star. And I think she rated um, resembles the next phase of the new phase of black women in politics. It's, it's uh, interesting to see who the speakers are going to be, because we often see some of those speakers rise up later to become candidates, don't we? Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think right there's a lot of healing that the Democratic Party needs to do um, around like these big tent issues. And particularly if um, the Democrats are seriously talking about healing our nation um, in terms of these racial tensions and racial conflicts. And I think that by signaling to um, to voters and to elected officials that having us having African-Americans or young millennials or generation why folks speak at this at the convention might be a way to start this conversation. And if that's the case, right, the Democrat convention can be seen as this forward-thinking um, party that's at least trying to have or address these conversations, where we know from the Republican um, platform that none of this is going to happen on, on their end. That's Purdue University political science professor Nadia Brown on the Veep stakes for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. I'm Steve Grzanich, WGN News.